Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 242 on Tuesday the 12th of March 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in this week's pack show, we'll be talking about Tesla-branded flip-flops. Also, we discuss how some motorways are smarter than those who drive on them. And to keep your ears peeled for a competition announcement later on. But first, we have a smidgen of follow-up that we are going to race through because... Unfortunately, I've got to talk about Tesla again. Now, last week we talked about how Tesla uh, had slashed prices in their Model S's and X's and they were going to shut all their shops and everything was going to be lovely and unicorns were going to have lovely rainbows coming from them, etc, etc. Well, this week they're putting the prices back up an average of 3% on the Model S's and X's. (laughs) Well, they had slashed some of the prices by $50,000. Yes. um, Which made lots of people very happy. And lots of people very, people very, very angry. <laughs> uh, yes, so that they can keep some of these stores open because they've discovered that the trouble with disruption is that disruption still has to pay, you know, like rent and stuff uh, and has agreements in place yep. and things like that. And, <laughs> and um, landlords, uh, some of whom had only signed leases a few couple of weeks ago, uh, were, were not wonderfully chuffed by this. So, uh, yeah, to, to keep it open, really. Yes, uh, this the price rises though is not going to happen. It appears not going to happen to the thirty, the magic fabled thirty-five thousand pound Model Three. Thirty-five thousand uh, dollar, sorry. Yes, just, dollar. Sorry, somebody will dollar. somebody will pick us up on it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're quite right. Quite right. But to try and calm the feathers of ruffledness, Musk said, "Don't worry." If you bought your car before, I've slashed 50 grand off the top of the range, Model X. You can get, and I'm using the official terminology from Tesla here, so bear with, the autopilot and full self-driving capability for half of what it would normally cost. Listeners can't see the twitch that happens when he says those words. It's hilarious. It's it's really brilliant. (laughs) But now Tesla's stepped back and sort of gone, um, no, we can't do that for everybody. You've got to do this by the 18th of March or your full price. So that thing we were talking about last week, Alan, where we were trying to work out the politest way to say that perhaps sometimes decisions were made without working through consequences. Yeah, I think it's right. Yeah. It, yeah. I think we've we've been born out on that one, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just just to continue Tesla's misery, <laughs> and this is just a and quick this one. has evolved even this evening, has it? Right, okay. Yeah. Um, but the entire board of Tesla has been has a lawsuit filed against it due to Musk's, and I'm quoting here unchecked use of Twitter to make inaccurate statements about the company. Now, this has been put forward by shareholders who are going, you're going to stop it because you're costing us money. And funnily enough, as we've said many times, everyone's fine and goes, oh, isn't this cool? Is he such a disruptive, blah, blah, until you mess with old school money. They get very cross because they don't like anybody messing about with their money. Mm-hmm. So what's happened tonight? Oh, it's about uh, it's about whether or not he's been in contempt of court. Oh, that one uh, as well, and, the SEC. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that has actually been filed. The judge in under an hour said, yeah, we can have a hearing. 
Um, so <laughs> now there is there will be a hearing to work out whether he was in contempt of court or not. I believe that that's I believe that's my understanding. I'm not a lawyer. I normally rely on somebody wiser um, and more weaselly than me uh, when it comes to these things. So. Yeah, but we're not going to follow these court cases through to the end unless there's some. No, big everyone else is going to follow them. It. There's no point in wasting our. You know we don't bother with Tesla often. Uh, it was the only reason we mentioned it last week is because it brought it. It 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 was more the impact on the rest of the market from those price changes. But then, of course, as we've me- mentioned it, and then they've changed it, we've had to follow up. But that's and, it. Done. Andrew says some following up, so we're done. Done. New news. New news, and this one has been this one has been gifted to me because Andrew will probably be twitching. Uh, there's a story on motoring research. Uh, this week uh, about a digital key that Hyundai has developed and is and is touting and showing off, uh, which will allow Kia and Hyundai owners to unlock their vehicles via a smartphone. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, using NFC, um, it replaced the physical key, uh, and the app can be used by up to four authorized people and could save motorists hours of searching for lost car keys. No, no, hang on there, right now. But this isn't really the main reason for this. I think that's a test. If you are unable to find your keys, you should not be allowed to drive on the road. Mrs. Windscreen doesn't listen to this, does she? No. Just making sure. It's all right. No, we have got around that problem by putting the keys in the same spot every time. It's amazing what happens when you do that. Yeah. Uh, So, moving on from that image of domestic bliss that (laughs) we've just given you. I actually have one of those little bleepy things on my on my key, but uh, but yes. So the real re- purpose for this isn't to uh, isn't really to uh, to sort of save you having an extra little little bulge in your trouser pocket, or to to smooth marital bliss. the The reason really is for can be for for where there's pool cars uh, and there's groups of vehicles like that where by not losing the key. Um, by keeping the the actual physical key in a safe place, and but but having multiple people authorized to drive a vehicle, then uh, then this makes that much much easier. Uh, there's less that need to swap stuff over. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. Was this not part of the package of technology that was announced in for Hyundai in China? Quite possibly. The app uh, the app screenshot shown here is is still in Korean. Because mm. I think that was all part of the. They're going to use biometrics and they're going to use the digital key app and things like that. That would mm-hmm. mean that uh, because when you do use the digital key app, if you're one of the four registered people who are allowed to access the car via that app, then things like the seat position will change for you. The heating yeah, levels will change. Th- that, lots of cars do that from your, your keys anyway. Uh, BMW, for example, you can have different settings per car key. And they even supply little colored stickers so that you can tell the keys apart mm-hmm. uh, at the time. One thing it does mention here is that traditional keys and cards will also be provided for use at valet services and when the car is at a dealer for service, according to Major Gav. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yep. Next up was, oh, yes, next up was a new initiative announced this week, Andrew. An excellent initiative. The new charity, Mission Automotive, which is being run by Mission Motorsport, who you will have heard us talk about many times on the show. We are big supporters of the stuff they do. Well, what they are working on in partnership with the Ministry of Defence and the Royal Foundation is 
to get veterans to find work within the motoring industry and the automotive industry. So it is helping them translate their skills into a language that the automotive industry and Civvy Street will understand. It'll be also educating the automotive industry into understanding what veterans can bring to them. You know, the, the fact that, say, somebody was a sniper, what that translates, because there's not too many times on the production line or in R&D that you need a sniper, but the skills that go to that are suitable for that help make a person best suited for that sort of job can be used and can be yes. um, can be taken advantage of by industry so it's it's doing all that sort of translation of what the lingos mean the different languages and helping train up veterans as well to have the right set of skills to get their foot in the door to get to the point where they have an interview and things like that so so i think this is brilliant Yes, it is. It's it's similar to to Mission Motorsport, of course, but but much wider, much wider than than the the motorsport world. It's it's out into the, the the into the rest of the automotive industry. They were sort of doing a bit of this anyway mm. because they had work with Jaguar Land Rover and things like that, companies like that, Nissan as well, and DHL. So they they have sort of been doing this almost like a beta trial. Yeah. And now I think they're happy that they understand the foibles and everything so they can do it on a much grander scale and help more people by the sounds of it. But this is this has been supported by SMMT. Uh, so when the announcement was there, there was there was a lot of, from the industry there with uh, Mission Motorsport and you know, James Cameron, uh, you know, it was he, one of his ideas. So, you know, I think he's done a, a fantastic job to create another part mm-hmm. to Mission Motorsport, Mission Automotive. Yeah. And, and if you don't know who James is, then do go back and check his rear view as well. Good luck with that, everybody. Yes, absolutely. Right. Well, it's been a, it's been a couple of minutes since we talked about Hyundai. It, it has so. been. There's been a whole story in between. <laughs> there was... Well, this is part of... Yes. Well... This wasn't really Hyundai that started all of this because it started off the fact that uh, that, no, that all the Japanese car companies are coming together to build hydrogen stations in Japan. Uh, we're seeing quite a bit of focus on fuel cells. Uh, we've got the the Hyundai Nexo. We've got the Toyota Mirai. We've got the Honda uh, Insight. Insight, no. isn't it? Isn't it the Insight? The no, it's cell not. It's the Clarity. Sorry, it looks a bit. It looks a lot like the Insight, but it's a bit bigger. But okay. the uh, Japanese car companies, as I say, are coming together to build hydrogen stations uh, across across Japan to really start to kickstart some of that infrastructure. Yep. The way Hyundai comes into it is that this story came up during the week, at, but when I was at when I was at, at the Geneva Motor Show, I happened to bump into uh, a chap called Martin Stucky from Union Petrolière, which is the the petrol and road fuel sellers consortium uh, in Switzerland, and they had a stand. The reason I was on the stand was because I'd spotted the Nexo and I went off to ha- I went over to have a wee, wee look at that because uh, of course Hyundai weren't weren't uh, at the show this year as I'm sure you've already heard us talk about 
uh, in our in our Geneva Motor Show special edition. Uh, so I went over to have a little look at the look at the Nexo um, and and just you know see some of those thousands of buttons that are in the cabin and these kind of things. And I I got slightly ambushed. And we were talking about hydrogen. I was was saying that you know I'd driven the iX thirty five. H uh, before and things and he was pointing out that in Switzerland they're actually putting in a big hydrogen charging infrastructure supported by the sort of uh, food sh- the, the, the the company's co-op and uh, Migro so it's a bit like I'm trying to think of what the equivalent UK companies are it's a bit like if Sainsbury's and Tesco gathered together and said you know what we're both going to run some hydrogen powered delivery trucks and the trucks that they're going to be running in switzerland are going to be going to be hyundai uh fuel cell ones to actually start getting some infrastructure in place in switzerland so that was just interesting to me because it was it, it seemed to be so so relevant to some of the stuff we talk about so what we really need to be able to do is to be able to go from from london say heathrow somehow managed to charge in France and see if we can get to the far side of Switzerland. Mm. That's a really good idea. Robin, are you listening? I hope so. No, no. Yes, I hope he is. We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out about tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, I just, we ended up on one end of the hydrogen story and then I'd I'd bumped into people and was talking to stuff. So there'll be links to both of those stories in the show notes as usual. But Martin, thank you very much for your time. Uh, on yes. on Saturday. Right, something I alluded to in the intro, but it appears, according to RAC's own statistics, through asking their own members, 25% of members have driven under the Red X sign on a smart motorway. Now, before we go any further, I know that there are inherent flaws with the design of a smart motorway. As in, there is no hard shoulder, although they are now installing laybys now and again. I don't think that's sufficient. It's not a layby; it's an emergency refuge. Yeah, but they look like a layby. They do. They are layby shaped, but they are for emergency refuge. However, the problems with them are made so much worse due to the stupidity of drivers we have all experienced or been near on a smart motorway. Are these the kind of drivers who regularly lose their car keys? Probably the same people, yes. So you see, you lose your car key, you're not allowed in the car, you don't go through a red X. There we are, we fixed We fixed smart motorways. Brilliant. Fantastic. Why don't we, we're, we're not long into the yeah. show, and we've, we've fixed a real... 15 minutes in, and we fixed a massive problem. I have nothing to add to this one. Yes, sorry. You, you basically outlined it. Just don't drive through the red Xs. Yeah, if they're that thick and if they're not following what the signs say, really get them off the road. You see, I'm amazed by that statistic of 25%. Because as far as I can tell, 80% of drivers in the UK only use lanes two and three. (laughs) And if there's more than that, if there are four or more, then they're only using lanes lanes three and four. Or at least that's, you know, if I base that entire... Based out on my drive up the M1 on um, on Sunday night, the percentage is significantly higher. It was absolutely appalling driving, but yeah, mm. yeah, I, I'm amazed it's it's that low, it's that high. So pay attention. Yes. 
It's it's one thing to have missed one and then notice your mistake and go, oh, crikey, I better well, get out that's probably what people love, but, you know. But, but, come on, just pay attention when you're behind the wheel. Yeah, look at the signs. Anyway, some sad news. Uh, uh, sad news, yes. The Infinity, which is, as I've had many practice, uh, as I have practiced many times in the past, the, the uh, Nissan, a luxury brand, is pulling out of Western Europe uh, in its entirety. Uh, launched in the UK in 2008. It's only got 60,000 customers across Europe, of which 10,000 are in the UK. And I think that Nissan have just decided that maybe this isn't really working. Part of this is they are going to be axing the Q30 and the QX30, uh, which are built in Sunderland as well. Mm. And they're exported from Sunderland right around the world. But that also, to an extent, isn't a surprise because they just declared a, a while ago that the platform sharing with Mercedes-Benz was going to end. And of course... The uh, the Q30 and the QX30 are based on the Mercedes GLA platform. And they also said they were going to take Infinity in an electrified or electric way. So they haven't released any products. I mean, they've basically been cutting the products off rather mm. than adding to them. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely surprised. I am a little bit sad because I think diversity helps us mm. in in options for people. I thought their products were okay. Yeah. They weren't groundbreaking. They weren't probably the best in class, but I thought they were pretty decent. They were a nice little left field choice. I had, uh, uh, so I had G37S uh, coupe with a 3.6, uh, 3.6 V6. So the 370Z engine uh, on the GTR platform you know the platform that actually forms the basis to the gtr uh, and it was an excellent car it was a really good car it wasn't cheap to run especially not if you had it serviced at infinity it was a, or your right foot yeah uh, well even with my gentle right foot i think the highest i ever got was 36 and my right foot is relatively gentle but if you got it serviced at infinity it got awfully expensive so that only happened once because i felt a little bit reamed afterwards <laughs> the but the car itself was lovely it was really really nice and uh beautiful smooth thing the the most grown-up car i've ever had definitely i mean well it sat between two mx5s so you know but but <laughs> lovely lovely car uh and the q60 i drove up the hill at goodwood year before last mm -hmm. uh, was fantastic as well it was even better um but the thing is guys these cars are going to be an absolute steal as they move into the chod sector. Yeah. So there's going to be a significant drop in the price of those. If you can find a Q60, that's going to be brilliant. Q50 Sport will be exactly not bad. And the S and the SUVs are, are, are good too. I was really looking forward to to trying the variable compression QX50, but I guess that's never going to happen here. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's going to be North America for that one. Yeah, so good luck to everybody that's going to be affected by that uh, directly through work. I uh, hope you find something new. You are reallocated within the mothership. Mm -hmm. And what? And, uh, oh, sorry. The answer to the question: Why would you buy an Infinity? Because that's what comes next. You say, "Oh, I owned an Infinity," and people go, "All oh, right, why?" Is because you don't want any of the other stuff that everybody knows what it is. Mm. At the time, Lexus, for example, didn't have the R. Uh, I always get this wrong. RC. 
range. Yeah, or they weren't at the right price anyway, which was cheaper than you might expect. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, more news. Germany again. It's calling. Uh, this time, however, it's this is potentially a big story, very big, because Daimler, BMW and Volkswagen are reported to be facing fines of up to €1 billion Euros each bum, bum, bum. for colluding on reducing effectiveness of exhaust filtering systems, it says in the Motoring Research article here. Now, that is referring to Der Spiegel as well as the source of all this. But what it is, is they've they've allegedly reduced the size of the AdBlue tanks and agreed not to include filters on petrol engines for um, cutting out fine particulate particulate matter. Now, this European antitrust authorities have been looking into this for four years, and this is nearly um, nearly coming to a close. Right, and it it sounds pretty damning from what that the fact that this has come out to this point. We'll have to wait and see whether the EU actually does follow through with for breaching cartel rules because that's what they're that's what the antitrust is looking at. And if they do, then that's ten percent of the global revenues, hence the one billion each. Ouch. It's a bit like that GDPR thing. Yes. Four percent or a million, whatever's whichever least. is that no, it's whichever's the higher. Yeah, that's the thing with GDPR. Like, yeah. It's like there's a big number or a certain percentage of your of your entire group's revenue, whichever is the higher, is the GDPR one. Mm. And someone will tell me what that percentage is. I'm sure, knowing our yeah. listeners, and I should know it off by heart myself. So this could this the whole thing about that, that came out when Dieselgate first happened of well they're all at it. I, I hope I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this isn't the evidence doesn't suggest that they can follow this through because then that puts a lot of it puts even more power to the anti car brigade. The it weakens the motoring industry's yes strength, which is not going to be good for knock on effects. No, well, yes. Well, what you've got to remember with these, although that sounded hopelessly. We've got to remember with these is that this money that that gets paid in all these fines has to come from somewhere. And research and development is a very easy place to take it from. So research and development means that nothing ever gets any better. It's like when people are are cost-cutting and the first thing they take is R&D budget. You just think, well, this is good. R&D and training. Yeah, this is going to be a death spiral. That's what happens when when people cut those. Should we have some good news, though? Oh, please. Highways England has awarded £2.8 million contract for 50 new EV charging points uh, across the country within nine months. Uh, And the point is here that these are actually not just 50 Type 2 plugs that you can plug into and it will eventually charge up, but it is 50 rapid charging points as well. Yay. To give... And the idea is that this... This is for motorways and major A roads too. So these are these are very very strategically located, uh, and the idea is that part that this is to to make sure that ninety five percent of motorways and major A roads are no more than twenty miles from any EV charging point. BP Chargemaster has got the contract for the north, and Swarco Evolt has got the contract for the south. 
Um, so this is this is great news. This says of the UK, but do we know if this is just England? Well, it's Highways England. So oh, it's it Highways England. Be... So there we go. Yes, that does. So it's just going to be England. It's unlikely to be Scotland as a result of that. But Scotland is so well covered anyway. Well, it won't, it won't be Wales who, either. Who, who, who goes to Wales? Who cares shush, about Wales? Shush, shush. <laughs> they will, they will march over the borders in a very cross manner. It's um, relatively Do not far. Rile them. No, I know. And remember how many of them that you share a car with on launches, by the way. Was that do not do not do not reel with them or, or something? I, I don't know. Oh yes, well done. That's that's making it. I can see Alan being the last one selected for a partner on the next whatever Toyota thing he goes on. I was with the New Zealander the last time. That's how bad uh-huh. it got. Yeah. Poor. What had he done to deserve that? I know. <laughs> I well, know. more good news, or potentially good news, actually, um, Department of Transport. They wish to bring in proposals that would up the guarantee that anyone who digs up the road would have to give for how long the road would last before their repair work deteriorated to the point where there was a pothole. Currently, it's a two-year guarantee. <laughs> I hear us all say. Yeah, I, I, some of them don't barely last six months. Yes, uh, but this... But it's to go up to five years. Now, I think that's brilliant. Utility companies are less impressed with that and say, oh, we don't need that. We don't need this at all. Do, do they not drive on roads? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, mm. it, I, I, I think, I think we do need the, the idea from France that you were talking about the other week hmm. of you pay a, you pay a big fee, you get all together and you do it in one hit and then you don't come back for X amount of years. That's it. Yeah. Tough luck. You need to start planning and thinking things through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should see the mess that there's been. So uh, near my house, there's, there's a roundabout uh, and they've been doing gas main something work. I don't know if it's been inspection because of, Basically, what they've been doing is they've been digging holes in the pavements every couple of hundred yards and then just making a mess. But at the roundabout out here, they decided that because they dug a hole, no, they dug a hole near the side of the roundabout, but they piled all the dirt at the side of the roundabout. So the dirt was just overspilling onto it. So as a result, they put in four-way traffic lights for about 10 days. Oh, but that was helpful uh, and it just caused complete traffic chaos mm. just ridiculous and good and it you know judging by the quality of their remediation works everywhere else i don't really hold out much faith for five year for five year you know a five-year standard of 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 uh, road repairs well they were they were repairing a section of road a section of road or large sections of a stretch of road in town today. Mm -hmm. And they were supposed to be doing that between 0930 and 1500. As of 530 this evening, they were still doing it and hadn't finished it by quarter past six. Oh, the weather has not been kind today though. Uh, Early on, early on it wasn't, but from, Half ten onwards, it's been dry. Ah, okay. It's been very different weather with you than me. Yeah. It's about to not be listening and wondering whether the roof's going to come off, actually. Oh, is that Uh, what the noise was? Okay. Yes. Anyway, I think we've reached the 
not guilt minute moment. We can give you something. So, thanks to our friends at Spacesuit Media. Now, for those who may not have listened to Rearview yet, you're very naughty. That's me, by the way. And you need to go and do that. <laughs> Spacesuit Media is a photography consortium that produce a lot of motorsport photography. And one of the, the artistic director is Shiv Gohill, who is the guest from last Friday's rear view. And his photography is stunning. It's rather good. Absolutely stunning. They have work from lots of other photographers in there as well. But they have kindly agreed to allow us to offer to you, the listener, one of five gorgeous prints from their collection to lucky winners. Can people choose which prints it is? No, we will. No, we just. You'll get a print, folks. First name. Yes, you will be getting a print. No, we we can't because people get disappointed and stuff. You will be just getting a gorgeous print. Don't worry. That is guaranteed. So, what do they have to do, Alan, to to win? Well, to win. And to be guaranteed one of those gorgeous prints. Uh, then we need the answer to the following question. The question is, can we have a small drum roll, please? You're just going to have to imagine it because people complain about the tapping noise if we do it any other way. Which Formula E driver asked Shiv Gohill to shoot his wedding? Shall I repeat that? Have you all got a pen and a piece of paper? Okay, in the full Jimmy Young style. Which Formula E driver asked Shiv Gohill to shoot his wedding? Now, the closing date is Monday the 25th of March at 1700 GMT. Uh, five names will be randomly drawn from a hat and announced on, the, on Tuesday's recording. So, the next Motoring Podcast news show after that. Two... Tell us the to tell us the answer, then please use the contact form at motoringpodcast.com slash contact. Uh, you'll see there's a bit there, you put in your name, you put in it's like writing an email, it's amazing, but we give you all the layout. If you use that, then that would be brilliant, and we can also get back in touch with you afterwards. Good luck, everyone. Yes, absolutely. And the answer is on rear view. Yes. There's that's that's your Go. hint. There's, there's Go off head. and listen to review. Yep. Simples. This feels really weird, not giving my usual spiel during that bit, but that's brilliant. It's all right, you can do it yes. at the end. You can we'll do, do it the, the end. normal stuff. There is no escape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Formula E was in Hong Kong at the weekend. I was in Geneva at the weekend and, and missed the race, but I did manage to catch some of the highlights tonight. And... Mm-hmm. It was a busy little race, wasn't it? It started off wet and got drier, mm. and that had implications, I think, well, it, it, for several of the many people who did not I finish. mean, even judging from the, the very short <laughs> of 15-minute highlights, it did look a bit banger-racy. There was lots of uh, rubbing his racing going on, and more. <laughs> well, the big, well, the big part of that was that, that Sam Bird, who crossed the line first... At the end, he had been in a long battle with Andre Lotterer and had caused a puncture. Yes. So that meant that meant the Lotterer dropped. Yeah, he didn't finish because his he, it caused a puncture, 
which then shredded the tire, which destroyed the suspension, and there was some concern that it's possibly damaged uh, other parts, which of which you're only allowed two during a season. Yes, it was. It was quite. It was a mess. It, it was pretty shredded at the back. The aftermath. What, what, what of happened that. was it wasn't the way he hit. It must have been particularly unfortunate, and it just the the tire and everything else just then ju- just smashed the rest of it. Yeah, it was coming into the corner. Lotterer was stayed in the same position that he was in, and Bird just got too close and hit him on the tire. <laughs> so that that caused the puncture. It was interesting because I was watching this live and was having a chat with a few people on Twitter and Twitter was mostly unanimous in that was incredibly dirty. He should be (laughs) penalized for it. This is while the race was just finishing off, but there was a few people saying, but there's been so much smashing into each other during this race that you're going to have to go back through and do a lot of people. If you do him for that, it's just unfortunate. It's caused a puncture. And I wondered out loud, if this wasn't up front and for the lead on the last lap and the cameras were all over it, would we have said much about it? Possibly not so, not so much. I'm not sure. But it also brought, brings home into, into sharp focus that Lotterer was not going to lose that. He, he was defending properly that nobody because the because the tracks are so mm. tight he was defending in such a manner that meant he could he was going to be able to go all the way around and take the checkered flag or at worst be second yeah. and in the end he gets nothing from yeah, that race 40. and i thought um I, I, I thought the the team of Tichita, uh, ds Tichita, when the camera went into their um into their technical area after i thought they did a fantastic job to not be doing sort of versions of that gif where the bloke picks up his computer and mm. throws it round because they must have been so angry. Well, I mean, they were so angry because the penalty that Bird got, they immediately appealed and said it wasn't harsh enough because it they took it gave him a five second penalty which put him down into mm-hmm. sixth, and they said that is nowhere near harsh enough. Yeah, <laughs> which got rejected, but <laughs> they were they oh. I, you got. I feel for people were saying, well, yeah, Lotra does this sort of thing himself. But I feel if you're, you got to feel for him though, because he, he was, he was doing all the right things that the leader was. Sam Bird was quicker than him. Yeah, but he has Sam Bird has to get round him. That's the job of if you want to beat someone. Mm-hmm. But it's also because the tracks are so thin. It's easier to defend. Well, isn't the it? very first, yes, it is, and I, I did notice that from from the the camera angles that were in the highlights. Uh, but Hong Kong is a particularly tight track. It really is. I mean, originally, so Hong Kong was meant to feature in the very first season of Formula E, and it didn't because the track was too was deemed too tight at one point when it went under a bridge, and that it was too dangerous. And well, from what I saw. The tight the the track really is is it's possibly even too too tight still even for Formula E. Yeah, they're they're apparently meeting with uh, Formula E this week to talk about a new layout and a new location. Yeah, um, which was obviously planned before mm. this. But the but the problem is because of the way the track is laid out, 
there's only I think there's only about one or two places where you can go side by side yeah. and it doesn't affect you because it's not on a long curve or exactly. something well, like that where it it where it doesn't matter if it's physically possible to get side by side because of the racing line mm-hmm. you're negated by yeah. doing so um, but the I mean you just have to look at the attrition rate to mm-hmm. to realize I mean 22 cars and 8 of them were out well, Mahindra. Well, Mahindra took uh, each other out. Both their cars on the first lap. No, no, they they didn't take each other out didn't at they? all. Somebody else. I can't, I can't remember the poor chap's name. Uh, was a NASA it from Geox Dragon? Because he was also out on. He was also out from the Pensk. He had a problem with his car, and his front wing on that la- on that corner that he went straight on. His front wing suddenly snapped in under his tire, so he went oh, straight wow. on, and he was stuck out at such an angle that the cars just came round and went. Just hit him because they had nowhere else uh-huh. to go. Okay. So, it, unfortunately, it was one Mahindra, second Mahindra. Yeah. And everybody else by then had stopped and could sort of crawl around and get on with the race, but by then. Uh-huh. But, yeah, still, I mean, so, eight out of 22 cars. Yeah, it was it's pretty brutal. It was, I think now they've got the cars that can run quicker. They've got the technology to run quicker. They've got the ability to run longer. Mm-hmm that perhaps they need to look at widening, see if they can get tracks that are wider to yeah. make it more racing Good. rather than I'm waiting to nudge you out the way to race because these cars aren't built for that. It's not like it's British touring cars that can take a bit of punishment and then carry no, on. Well, they're, they're, touring cars are you know, stealing, steal on the corners uh, mm. rather than carbon. But yeah, so, uh, so the winner, the, the winners in the end post race uh was uh was Mortara for the Venturi Formula E team. So that was their first ever win first ever win? Yes. Yep. Susie Wolf is their team principal. Um, team principal isn't yes. she? So, yep. when, so, so she obviously it's delighted it's excellent to see to see someone else up there. Yes. Uh so it went Mortara, Degrassi, Freen, Abd, Massa, Bird, Evans, Paffett, Turvey, De Costa, Lopez Dillman, Verne, and then a lotterer uh, were the finishers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. Uh, don't forget yes. eRacing365, excellent site. Yeah, there's also going to be a link to the uh, post-race, post-race notebook. notebook article as well, which is excellent because, you, like we said last time, it tells you a lot of stuff that we wouldn't know if you just looked at the TV coverage because obviously they don't have time to speak to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking to the people at the pointy end. Cracking stuff. But Sam Sam Bird knew he was in trouble because his when he got out the car and when he was talking and on to the uh, commentary team and everything, he was very very muted in mm. how he did anything. When he went up to the podium, he just he sort of half heartedly high fived a few people. He he knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, whether it's, whether he meant it or not. It, it, that incident meant he he was going to get yeah, and he knew something was up there. Yeah, I don't believe he did it to puncture. No, but no, no, no. He's yes. Yeah. Anyway, WRC Mexico. Now, this is the race that we start beginning to feel that the championship is taking shape a little yes, bit. And that's that what everyone people's, says. People's positioning is thought of a bit more realistically and isn't just a lucky one-off or two well it's been development up to this point i think is is the feeling yeah. that, that people have um so from mexico onwards is 
WSO real. It's the real stuff. Uh, which is great <laughs> news for Citroen. Yes, OGA won his second victory of the mm-hmm. season. He beat uh, Ott Tannock, uh, who got in front of Elvin Evans, which was helped by the fact that Evans was penalised 10 seconds for turning up late to a start point. Simple stuff, but, simple stuff. Yeah, um, but there we go. We've got Citroen, Toyota, Ford. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Again, there's, it's nobody's locking out. Well, it's better than that. It goes here. Citroen, Toyota, Ford, Hyundai. Well, yeah, I think Hyundai want to forget the weekend. It was not good. Well, not good well, at all. You see, that's me just uh, read the RC1 ones. From there on, it was two two of the um, RC2 Skodas, followed by Toyota Hyundai again, uh, and then another another one of the um, WRC2 Skodas. Yep. It's a real mix up the top there. Well, there, was, there was a picture, I think it was Autosport tweeted out a picture of... Hyundai's team boss, new team boss, and it said he was disappointed by the car's reliability, and the look on his face meant, I don't want to see him slightly miffed or even jolly cross, because I'm sure people are in tears or things are being smashed in the background if he's one of those two. He looked furious, Mm -hmm. to be fair. Okay. But... Change it is a coming. Yes. Well, it needs to, doesn't it? Um, it it was. Uh, oh, another thing that's happened is Chris Meek made comments because, um, he felt Citroen deliberately stopped a stage when Ogier got a puncture. Another Citroen driver ended up half on, half off the road and sort of blocked it, so they had to bring out the red flags. Oh, right. And Meek then said, well, they've done that deliberately, haven't they? So well, no love lost there, funnily yes. enough, between Citroen well, and Meek. Well, he, he, has, he has a lot of... Uh, he would have a better into, insight into the workings of the Citroen team than many. Yes, he has since apologised publicly by releasing a video on his Twitter handle to say, I am very sorry for those comments. Uh, of course they didn't do that, etc., etc. Yeah, somebody read, don't say that out loud. We might need to do yeah. it too. Yeah, so... Mm. But what it has done is it's meant overall uh, that Tanek is only a few points ahead of Ogier, who is a little bit ahead of Neuville. So <laughs> looks like it's going to be another cracker yep. this year, which is because good. of attrition and you know. And but finally, Citroen seem to have a car that works, which is great because it means far more options for everyone else and more. Uh, there, there's, more mix. there's four. There's four. Four teams pushing for it now, not not three in a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Good. Anyway, lunchtime read. Uh, lunchtime read. This is one that you found, which is a cracker. It's from Auto Autodidact yes. by a chap called Christopher Bart, who we've included his stuff before in the long reads. We have referred to because uh, they're always a bit punchy, and this is no yes. exception. Uh, and it's it's his it's Geneva Auto Show 2019, the undiscovered country. And it's it's his hits and misses of the Geneva show. It's long form. It's accompanied by lovely photos. It's quite good because quite a lot of it, you know, it it doesn't. I don't know. It's 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 quite nice that some of the stuff is similar to what we said last night when we hadn't found this yet. So I was very happy to have yeah. read that as well. I must say, yeah, and it's. <laughs> It's a good read. It really is a good read. If you enjoy, if you've enjoyed our our show, um, our 
Our Geneva show coverage. Of course, coverage. people have to listen to the special edition before they read Yes, it. please. Do. <laughs> Don't. There's no please about it. Just do. It's great. Really do. It's worth... It's a good long 15 minutes anyway. 20 minutes? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yep. it's going to... But it's thought through articles. I mean, it's not just standing there and thumping a table and shouting. It, you know, there's, he gives very well-reasoned arguments to why he's saying the stuff he's saying. Mm-hmm. So, well, his his it, uh, uh, his little uh, biography at the end does say biased elitist German in it. So you know, <laughs> there's no there's no great surprise in that that it's it's thought through and it is it is. It is opinion. It's it's great stuff. Great stuff. Really enjoyable. It is. So go read. What I like is when he mentions stuff, he's also included a photo of what he's mentioned. Yes. There are slideshows to each of almost each of his paragraphs to help back up what he's saying. So you can you can see it and read it, Mm -hmm. as it were. Multimedia extravaganza. Yes. Andrew, list of the week this week. Short one. List of the week. Well, yes, it is. Uh, an older one from uh, Goodwood Racing, their their website, and but I don't think anyone gets bored with listening to rally cars make noises, and they've compiled what they feel uh, is the famous five rallying's greatest noises, and there are five videos for you to watch and more importantly listen to. Stick the headphones. Yeah, maybe on. if you're in the if you're in the office, put the headphones in. Crank up the volume and enjoy the the rallying. It's just, they are fab. They are utterly fab. And it's a whilst whilst uh, we this is an older one. We are picking lists or read of the week or stuff like that that we feel is still. It's still, still right. Good. This is 2016. Still, this is from May 2016, but it hasn't aged. That's yep. completely right. No, that's a good one. Well done, yep. mate. Right, you've got uh, an interesting and finally. Yes, it's out of this world. <laughs> but, no, no. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it is. It is. But everybody charge your glasses. Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> a press release dropped into my mail- mailbox today, and it took about 15 seconds before it was added to the... Uh, uh, to the running order for tonight. I hadn't even got the email when I got the message from you saying, I've got the and finally, don't you worry. Well, you need a good one. <laughs> you need a good one. The, this, uh, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. What do they do? <laughs> I'm not falling for it. I almost fell for it. I confess, I almost fell for it. Uh, has announced an agreement to consider the possibility of collaborating on international space exploration with Toyota. The idea is to use the fuel cell technologies that Toyota are developing to go towards a manned, pressurized rover. Rover squared. No, there's a there's a comment, but it is... Oh, yes. As envisioned in this project, a vehicle that has an enclosed body equipped with functions and space that enables astronauts to live in the vehicle for fixed periods without wearing spacesuits that allows ingress and egress whilst wearing spacesuits and that makes sustainable mobility on the surface of a moon or planet possible by way of astronaut operation, remote operation, or autonomous driving. It's a moon buggy, everyone. They're talking They're talking about making a Toyota moon buggy. That's all you need to know. So it's a Hilux with a fuel cell. <laughs> 
So, so the, these Hiluxes that are going to be on there, are they going to have... It looks more like an FJ Cruiser. bed-mounted laser weapon. Yes. That's what the big disc is on top. For the Space Defense Corps. Yeah. There is a video on, on YouTube. <laughs> I'm, I'm, they're not going to be the Space Defense Corps. <laughs> the, 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 the Space Defense Corps will have a Moon V. <laughs> It'll definitely be based on one of Nia's designs. Uh, but what I love most about this is that the, the this moon buggy has uh, an FJ Cruiser grill on it. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> the front of it with a single headlight, and then it's got a Toyota grill in the middle. It, it's so cute and so silly and so unnecessary and absolutely brilliant. There's a little video that goes along with it, which is fun. It's, it's just nuts. I just love the. I just love that they're considering. Um, they're considering this. If you want to know a bit more about, I mean, the press release here ha- t- tells me that there's 13 cubic meters of living space. Uh, it can accommodate two people or four in an emergency. Six meters long, 5.2 meters wide, and 3.8 meters tall, which is about the size of two minibuses, tall. And. Um, it's got six wheels. That's not going to be made in a tent, is it? It's not going to be made in a tent. It's highly unlikely. But all you do is charge it up with hydrogen, away you go. Or anything else, because fuel cells, so they're running all sorts of stuff. Genius. I'm so pleased that... I think what I love about this is that it's it's a great... Toyota? No. It's a great... Well, yeah. Uh, it's a great looking to the future type type project that we are sorely missing at the minute as we get mired down yes. in mired down in stupidity and fighting with each other and walls and all this kind of stuff. There's too much inward looking. There is nothing there is no horizon. Yeah, and, and this is this is a moment. real this is a real pushing the boundaries thing. Uh which yep. which I think is why I like it so much and why it was an immediate yes we'll do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done, chaps. Well done to the, well done, Jaxa and uh, and Toyota as well. Cracking stuff. Mm-hmm. They're still not going to let you go on a press day with it. Oh, no, they will do. They will. Here I am reporting from the surface of the moon. To <laughs> do if I if I thought a church in Catalonia was was cold, let's, let's see how we get on with this. Yes. Oh no, my battery's yes. running out. Yeah, the, trouble, the, the trouble with that launch, of course, is that there, there, the, that uh, that particular launch is that there's there's no atmosphere. Watch the tumbleweed. Yeah, there. don't forget, everyone. <laughs> I'm moving swiftly on. That between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts, the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our patron. Available at motoringpodcast.com slash Patreon. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Don't, as well, forget about our competition. I've been yeah, through you it. You have to fill in the contact form to yeah. tell us the answer to the motoringpodcast.com slash contact for that one. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you so that people can can try and wheedle the answer to the competition out of you? Best way to get in touch with 
me for me to tell you to listen to the review would be via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to talk to you about, I don't know, space, the final frontier, Toyotas, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm far more of a Star Wars person than a Star Trek person. I just don't really get Star Trek at all. You can get in touch with me, of course, via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.